Hello everyone, this episode of Talk and Pop for the Cultured is powered by Poddex. Poddex are unique interview questions and episodes starting prompts in the palm of your hand. So whether you are a new podcaster or existing broadcaster like ourselves, looking to grow your audience or get more engagement, you're going to want to check out poddex.com. That's poddex.com. Make sure to use that promo code TALKPOP, T-A-L-K-P-O-P, for 10% off your first order. Poddex is the hottest new tool for podcasters looking to have more meaningful conversations or simply to gamify their podcast. Simply shuffle up, ask a question, and let the content roll. Get yours today at poddex.com. That is poddex.com. Make sure to use that promo code TALKPOP, T-A-L-K-P-O-P, for 10% off your order. Now, let's get on to the show. Sponsorship for the podcast. It's brought to you by ExpressVPN. ExpressVPN, you're probably wondering what is a VPN. Before we get into it, just to let you know, especially if you want to watch culture content and you figure your ISP is not going to find out what you're doing or your family members aren't knowing what they're doing, you think Incognito Mode is going to save you? Guess what? It's not going to save you. That's where ExpressVPN comes in. ExpressVPN is a virtual private network, a VPN can create a secure tunnel between your device and internet. It pretty much means it hides your information from hackers, your ISP, and the government. Pretty much, especially if you try to go to a public Wi-Fi, if you did not have ExpressVPN, this is what happens. A hacker can connect to that same unencrypted Wi-Fi network and can steal your personal information. By having ExpressVPN, it'll help encrypt your internet connection using the highest standards of encryption currently available. It will take a hacker with a superior billions of years to crack. That means when you're traveling, as long as you have ExpressVPN, you turn it on. If you got to use a public Wi-Fi at an airport, hotel, coffee shop, by having that, you are perfectly secure. So why I love to use ExpressVPN is because for the podcast, especially a pop culture section one like ourselves, I want to study content. And unfortunately, my streaming service, for example, Netflix has certain content that's geo-blocked. For example, I want to see Studio Ghibli on Netflix. Unfortunately, Netflix USA does not carry it. Lucky for me, I have ExpressVPN. All I have to do is click on ExpressVPN on my laptop, switch my location from where I'm living at, which is in the U.S., to Toronto, Canada, type in Spirit Away, refresh my browser, type in Spirit Away, and voila! Now I get access to the movie Spirit Away, but I also get access to Studio Ghibli's whole library on Netflix. It doesn't work just on Netflix. It works on many streaming services as well, so that way you can enjoy content that's usually blocked by geolocation. So pretty much, ExpressVPN, what makes it the best? Well, ExpressVPN offers the fastest speeds. ExpressVPN invests in only in premium servers, making it consistently faster than any VPN provider. 24-7 customer support. Live chat means your questions will be answered within seconds, not hours. It's easy to use. You can use it on your smartphone, your laptop, your tablet, your game console, your smart TV to protect your stuff. Because you're not knowing, if not having a VPN, you know what happens? Pretty much your ISP service provider pretty much can sell your data to advertisers, government officials, and companies. So by having a VPN... They put a stop by encrypting all your data and hiding your location. And guess what? For right now, for listeners and viewers of Talking Pop for the Culture, you can get three months 
for free, a free trial of three months by clicking on expressvpn.com slash talk pop. That's expressvpn talk pop. You click on there, you get three months for free for trying out of ExpressVPN. And guess what? They're the number one top rated VPN provider, rated number one by CNET, The Verge, Wire, TechRadar, and many more. Also rated 9.5 out of 10 based on 3,131 reviews on TrustFund. I enjoy ExpressVPN, and you guys should enjoy it as well. Just make sure to click on the link in the description below, which is expressvpn.com slash talkpop to save yourself three months for free. That's a three-month three months free trial. And you can look at the prices that works in a plan just for you. So go ahead, enjoy ExpressVPN just as much as I enjoy ExpressVPN. Thank you so much for listening, and enjoy the show. and fangirls and non-binaries welcome to an edition of talking pop for the culture a podcast of pop culture i'm your host the franchise of course joining me is my co-host vico hello i know it's been a while guys but we're trying to do a new format due to our schedules being kind of um we're trying to do this every like two weeks give you guys at least an hour into our daily lives episode we discuss pop culture if this is your first time listening um this name changes are New season, basically. That's what it's called. Talking pop for the culture. Uh, a little about me, real quick. I am a bi anime otaku who loves singing karaoke and watching film, reading manga, playing video games. So your typical pop culture geek. And of course, Biko, want to tell a little about yourself to the first time listeners? Oh, uh, yeah. I just kind of handled the sports, music, and uh, I guess comedy side of things as far as. Looking, being skeptical, skeptical about a lot of things in pop culture, and I like talking shit about stuff like that, and leaning into the contrarian side of things. And that. Okay, so we don't talk about stuff like um, finally convention season's over for me. I've been to like three straight conventions, and the last one we went to, the last one we went to was actually last weekend. Went to C two in Chicago. Um, I know next year it got pushed. Next year's going to be in March. But, Biko, what were your thoughts going back to a convention after, you know, COVID and stuff? Oh, it was uh, it was interesting it, just to see how people handle things, I guess, two years into uh, the pandemic starting and kind of it just lingering around and possibly picking up. So it was nice to attend a convention during the summer as opposed to usually attending it and being in the spring. Um because it allowed for more people, and I guess the restrictions being more re- relaxed this time around uh, made it for a different experience. Um, and this one was no different. I think the C2E2 was a lot different than the previous years, uh, for good and for bad, which I know we'll get into. But um, overall, I think going into conventions post-COVID in this type of uh, age and environment we live in is uh, it's going to be bound to make experiences become I guess mo- 
more less about the connection and more uh, about what these we'll say for this point these conventions provide for you that's outside of just your general spending we got to see a little more like what else can provide considering that they had time to fix on to work on their own product um, knowing that the costs have gone up for, for providing these events and knowing that you're asking more for the consumer you know I, I feel like these type of uh, events that do get put on they need to in turn provide more for that consumer to kind of come back events in that aspect instead of uh, what we've always seen is that conventions kind of stick to their own blueprint and they, they kind of just rehash that every year and, yeah. don't, and don't really change up the script and uh, I, I like to see that I guess moving forward even with the pandemic being a thing something that we all have to live through I think uh, it shouldn't shy away from the purpose that these events get put on for and, and, the, and what it does for fandoms and, and the celebrities that participate in these in these creations and what it does for that connection on a human level. Mm-hmm. I think it's important with these events. Yeah, because I think with, with, with the whole pandemic and everything shutting down like two years ago and it just for conventions to start up again and basically like starting from scratch again. It's just also you got to think about people's mindsets and going into these conventions yeah. like i mean yeah COVID is now not as deadly as it was two years ago i know we got the monkeypox influence right now as well and it's still you know COVID is still there but it's not as like you know dominant as it was before because with the vaccines being implemented and and um like i said people are taking those seriously it's and just people's mindsets and like even celebrities who you know they miss going interacting with the fans and now yeah. they're they're just trying to get back to the swing of things and going to these conventions just seeing the fans again just trying to remember how to interact with them because maybe before they were just doing just virtual meet and greets and actually having human contact is is probably like something they had to get used to again mm-hmm. but overall like before we get into that going into like c2e2 and stuff we do want to take pause which is did lose a couple of celebrities on um, this past week. Um, one of the big names was Olivia John. Um, she passed away at the age of seventy-three to a battle with cancer. Um, if you guys don't know who Olivia John is, and you're probably watching TikToks with stuff or like tweets and stuff, I'm gonna give you guys a little bit about her. I just pulled up her YouTube page. Just give her like a brief synopsis of her life. Um, uh, Olivia John was born in September 26, nineteen forty-eight. She's a British-born Australian singer. She's also an actress and activist. Um, she was a four-time Grammy Award winner whose music career includes five number one hits and many other top ten hits on the Billboard Hot 100. And two number one albums on Billboard 200, If You Love Me, Let Me Know, 1974, and Have You Never Been Mellow, 1975. Eleven singles, including two platinum, 14 more albums, including two platinum and four two-times platinum, have been certified by Gold by the Recording Industry Association of America. With global sales of more than 100 million records, Newton John is one of the best-selling music artists from the second half of the 20th century to present. Um, like I said, I'm reading this from Wiki. In 1978, Newton John starred in the musical film Grease, which became the highest-grossing musical film ever at the time, and he was sound for one of the world's best-selling albums of all time. He features two major duets with co-star John Travolta as You're the One I Want, which is one of the best-selling singles of all time, and Summer Nights. Her signature solo recordings include the record of the year Grammy winner I Honestly Love You and Physical. Billboard Hot 100 ranking single in the 1980s. 
Are you finding hits singles included? If not for you, and thanks for that. Ohio, let me be there. If you love me, let me know. Have you ever been mellow? Sam, and hoping to devote this to you. Also from Greece, a little more love. And from the 1980s film, Xandu Magic and Xandu was like Ocean. Uh, Lou John, who battled breast cancer three times, was an advocate for breast cancer research. She was also an activist for environmental errors like causes. Um, going to early life, um, Lou John was born September 26, 1948, in Cambridge, England, to Brittany Brendan John and Irene Haley. Her brother, her father was born in Wales, so she was part Welsh. Uh, her mother was born in Germany, had come to the UK, and looks like they ended up going to Australia, living there. Uh, she was the youngest of three children, following her brother Hugh, a medical doctor, which is Corona, and an actress who was married to a Lumiere Greece co star Jeff Conaway. Next thing she was, she was six, and John family emigrated to Melbourne, Australia, where her father worked as a professor of German and as a master of metallurgy. She attended Christ Church Grammar School in Melbourne and Central Lake South Yara, and then University High School in Parkdale. So, um, pretty much came from mixed parents. It's got to be really interesting. But of course, she's known for her work on Greece. You know, she was everybody's crush in the late 70s, early 80s. Um, Let's Get Physical, her track has been sampled so many times in different songs. A couple of rap songs, too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but, you know, her name is well known even after, like, Greece is still, like, Oh, yeah. One of the top selling soundtracks of all time. Yeah, it's one of the most popular movies too. Like you grew up with it. You can always watch the movie again because it's one of those like things where let's yeah. musicals is like introduced like, like musicals are being filmed basically. It was like you know, musicals were just relegated to like stage, but taking this which is a stage production itself, decided to turn it okay, let's do it to a movie. Mm-hmm. You know, and then you take these young act I mean, that time uh Louis John was older than John Travolta, you know, John Wonder Louis. Um, but mm-hmm. taking her because she was already an established singer in her own right and and it, that role as Sandra D kind of boasts her up to her status and they're like oh wait she can sing you know it's like yeah it helps it helps her kind of make her uh, versatile uh, a versatile actor and, and it seemed like it was easy for her to kind of transfer herself into that character um, given that Sandra, Sandra D was that reserved girl next door type so it was, I guess, her growing up in that, going to, growing up in that type of, I want to say, type of environment in Australia. It seems like she was poised to do something with singing and acting, and from there, like you said, it like propelled her into stardom. Um, and that movie just, they they use those, they teach high school classes with that movie, like they use that like drama classes. Yeah, they, yeah, drama. They teach that movie. They teach they use that movie as a, a teaching tool in, in colleges. Like you said, it, it did such a good job of presenting a musical, a musical format being used in a movie, in a movie uh, teacher type setting, and it was done perfectly well. Like it balanced both. It gave you a, a period piece type of movie with musical. If you think about it, it's it kind of well. like I think yeah. I get the feeling like High School Musical. I think for this generation was kind of oh, yeah. like yeah. their generation's Greece. I think it was probably inspired right by Greece. Oh yeah, totally. Like high school musical because it's kind of like a throwback to that. Mm-hmm. But with her, she was also like I said when I read her wiki page, it's like it, she was like an advocate for breast cancer research, environmental causes and stuff. And you know, and she had breast cancer and she really took very few acting roles after with like guest starring in shows. Mm-hmm. I mean, she was active; she was still singing and stuff in her battle with cancer. And I saw that 
And like uh, I guess we're doing a grease showing then her and Josh Walton were there promoting the film now the most of the remaining cast were there, that was kinda of cool and um like that movie I could probably watch over and over again. And I have multiple songs on my Spotify list of her songs and of course some of the songs from Grease because they're really good songs. <laughs> um Oh yeah, our mom, our mom loved Olivia Newton John, she loves John Travolta, she loves both of them because of, she told us that she went to go see Grease when she was a kid. Mm-hmm. She loved that film so much, and she went. And we're lucky that she decided to share that her love and that film to us as well, and we enjoy it so much. <laughs> but like I said, um, prayers and thoughts to her family, her friends, and of course her many fans. I know, especially the lovely tribute. Um, you can pull up John Travolta's um, tribute to her. I know I'm saying this close. Read some of the celebrities that you know pay tribute to her. So let me go ahead and pull that up. Um, yes, she passed away Monday at 17 from her breast cancer. Um, um, her daughter, um, Chloe, last week she remembered her mother when she was 23 years old. Josh Rosen put on his Instagram, like, there's a picture of her. Says, My dearest Olivia, you made all of our lives so much better. Your impact was incredible. I love you so much. We'll see you down the road, and we'll be up, we'll be, we'll all be together again. Yours from the first moment I saw you in front of me. You're Danny, mm-hmm. you're John. Oh. And then Barbara Streisand, so I can scroll back pictures. Um, and she wrote, Too young to leave this world, and you're too young to leave. Uh, we always did it, so. She wrote, oh man, you're with my childhood. Your talent, poise, beauty, rest in glorious peace. God bless your family. Thank you for sharing your sad memories. So, and then George Takei. Um, we have lost a great iconic artist in Olivia Newton-John. Gone too soon from us at age 73. I trust she is now in the great land of New Zealand. Know that we forever hope to be devoted to you, Olivia. Blessings, song, and work. Uh, Daniel Day Kim says, farewell with love to the legend who forever be my first crush. Rest in peace, Olivia Newton-John. Um, Gabrielle Union. Grease is my number one movie of all time. Made me a lifelong Olivia Newton-John fan. Me and my sister watched that Andrew Ward says that in town. Sending huh. so much love and prayers to a real gift of a woman in town. Just our hashtag R.I.P. Olivia Newton-John. And just just the love. And Rob Robbins as well. Very sad news. Grab mercy to how she suddenly faced breast cancer and never see her mother again. My friend. Um, Alexander says, I never met Olivia Newton-John. I'm home only a hopeless dream of a fan. I told, I told she was one of the most beautiful kind of people who I couldn't be so often in love with. Tommy Minow, since I was 10 years old, I loved and looked up to Olivia Newton-John, and I always will. I like this picture. It's a picture of kind of her. Of her as she was, and her as being the inspiration for me in many, so many, many ways, and just the whole thing for family and loved ones. So, yeah, it's just the amount of love and admiration from her peers. It's like, Um, for me, myself, I mean, yeah, I mean, I'll say she was kind of my first crush when it comes to, like, these musical films, because, I mean, just the way her voice and her personality, like, how the chemistry she showed with the other actors and just her singing is just amazing, her voice, her talent, you know, it's just that, you know, 
sucks. You know, cancer sucks. So I have to say, cancer fucking sucks. But, you know, RIP Olivia and John. My prayers are out to you and your family. And many fans around the world. And just keep those tributes coming, guys. I've seen so many wonderful tributes on TikTok. And what are your thoughts, Lisa? No, I feel the same sentiment. Just, yeah, prayers go out to the family and stuff. Okay, then. Um, let's get to this. Um, one thing, too, a little bit of admin news before we jump into the convention, like our thoughts of it, was um, this thing kind of like blew up, you know, TikTok, but also um, pretty much blew up that and the anime world. And supposedly the next final arc of Bleach, the new season that's being promoted heavily by Viz Media. And apparently, Bleach Dousing Your Blood arc will reportedly stream on Disney Plus. Apparently, Disney Plus beat the beat out Crunchyroll for licensing the anime. Um, it's pretty much just a shock to pretty much everyone because Disney investing in anime. Um, I think the reason why people are skeptical because of the fact, I think because anime is becoming many, many, many ways mainstream as it was back in the early 2000s, late 90s. Now you can't go out anywhere without seeing somewhat anime-related merchandise somewhere. It's just become like a more mainstream and with Disney Plus, I mean, they have a license for summertime rendering. And right now, it's only in Japan right now, unless you have a VPN. But the problem is, if you have a VPN, you want to watch on Disney Plus in Japan, they don't have English subtitles, so you need to understand Japanese. <laughs> um, and apparently, with them, is they're not gonna release. They're pretty much following what Netflix Netflix was doing with the animes, where they wait till the anime runs its course in Japan before moving, bringing it over to international markets. Mm-hmm. But I know Netflix has been adopting the whole, let's um, release it weekly. They're trying to compete. With this, is like, with summertime rendering, it's only supposed to last 25 episodes, and right now, I think they're up to episode 18. The only way you can watch it, you have to go to like a third-party site to watch it. Mm-hmm. Which sucks. So, I mean, you want to support these industry leaders, but... It's not as convenient. It's not as convenient. And so Disney's pretty much waiting for some attorney to run this course in Japan before bringing it over here to international markets and stuff. So I'm curious to see who they get to dub it, but that's going to be interesting to that. Um, but with the Bleach thing, a lot of people are afraid of, oh, they're going to censor it, or they're going to leave it the way it is, because the comics, the manga itself is pretty gory, and and this Thousand Year Blood arc, I read the I read the final, like, I read the manga, and it's a long and really action-packed heavy arc dwells deep into Ichigo's past as well and also Yuyo's past as well because it's like because it's the war between the Twin Seas and the Soul Reapers and like the Shinigami so it's like they, they get to really gruesome battles and a lot of people and then of course Tizu Kubo who's back as like producing the anime like they're he's being consulting and stuff and they're going to adapt really well and one thing is is, is the one thing people are fearing is that Disney Plus is probably going to censor some of the crucial scenes but Disney is really adamant and really serious of diving into this um, anime market. Um, which I did like by Disney is they are adding more adult, somewhat oriented product into Disney Plus. And the way you can access it if you had to create like a pin or something to access that content. So they are putting some kind of like parental settings for it. But my suggestion is Disney, if you're being smart about this, you have Hulu. But I think if they're adding Deadpool and Deadpool 2 to Disney Plus and Logan, those are Rayar films, I'm not worried that Bleach is going to get censored. I'm not too worried about it. Because they're allowing stuff like that 
those R-rated films to be on Disney Plus, I'm not worried. But they do have Hulu to fall back on because Hulu does have Bleach on there. You can watch all episodes. You should do simulcast before. I don't think that'd be an issue, but we'll have to wait and see what happens. But the consensus has been like really um, pretty much a lot of skepticism by the anime fans here in the West. That's just what it is. There's a lot of skepticism. But Disney hasn't said anything. Right now, it's supposedly been leaked that they got the rights. Um, it's saying it's been it's been known it's been required, but Disney has not said anything. They have not officially released a press release of it. Um, the only thing I see is um, they don't. They, I see this one interview with Tuchi Kubo, who was who's the creator of Bleach. And, um, they talked to him about when they announced it. It says here, this one article I pulled off the file, it says, when every person that Hobbit confirmed that he was drawing the original manga with the Christians in mind. But he didn't do that with the new production to it. And then a lot of said, great confidence in direction that new Sorry, writer, Hiro Matsu says that both have deep understanding of the series, but fans shouldn't be worried about Disney Plus cutting off any series for the final act. So, he even said himself, he wrote he wrote the manga with, and chances are it was going to get adapted to TV. So, He's not to worry about. So hopefully, Disney wants to get a lot of fans, especially this market. Please cater to the fans. Please do not censor anything. Disney's never listened to this. Please do not. Let it be run in this traditional way the author meant to write it as or illustrated it. So it's going to come out this fall, but we probably won't see it till like winter. <laughs> so, and of course, One Piece Red has made a well. About 5 billion yen in Japan its first weekend in the box office. And of course, made a good amount of euros in France too. Uh, I believe it's going to come to the States in November. And then, we, of course, we got Dragon Ball Super Superhero coming August 19th. As well, being available in sub dub. It's the first time that Piccolo and Gohan are being like the main focus of this movie. I mean, Goku will be there, but it looks like the way the trailers are showing more like Gohan and Piccolo will be the main focus. And it looks like it's like CG type esque. I like the traditional 2D style, so it's kind of interesting. It's like its own thing. So if you guys want to see that, you can get tickets to Crunchyroll. Crunchyroll's releasing it internationally abroad. So definitely check that out. And um, on that note, um, before we just get going to the CTV2, um, I do want to give a, rec- a recommendation for anime. Um, right now I'm watching Overlord. Um, definitely check out Overlord right now. Fourth season that is currently streaming on Crunchyroll. If it, it's based on a light novel, um, Overlord basically follows this guy who pretty much was part of this game called Igrisil, which is one of those um, deep um, virtual VR MMOs. And it's the last day of the the, the game's like server's going to shut down at midnight. So he and a few friends stay on, but his friends back out, and he decides he actually takes a nap. And he wakes up still in his character's body and he realizes all the NPCs that his friends created have suddenly came to life and have personalities and everything. So now he's pretty much stuck in this character. Apparently the, the guild hall they build is now tra- being transported to a land similar to so. So he's trying to find a way. He has to stay with his character at the same time find out if any of his friends stayed on. And just trying to make the name, you know, Ives a little well known throughout the land, so maybe his friends will recognize him and meet up with him. It's really wonderful, like animation. The music is great. The sequences, it's kind of like Game of Thrones, but better. Yeah. I would say that it's much better. The dub is great. 
Um, the sub is fantastic. Um, the line hours were good. I want to say money, but the line hours are expensive. But definitely um, check that out. Oh, Lord, you can watch the whole series right now on Crunchyroll. Season 4 is currently streaming. And dub and sub, but dub's not like a two-week delay. So, as you know, COVID and stuff, they're trying to get back into the thing. So definitely check out Overlord. So without further ado, C2E2, our thoughts. Um, so being that the C- we didn't go to last year's C2E2, which was in the winter, because it was in December. I don't know how it was. I didn't want to go out there in the fucking cold. It's Chicago is fucking freezing. But this year it was surprising to say, oh, it's still in August, but it was in the summer. Which is kind of new for them. And, you know, for us, just getting over there was a good commute. I mean, we took the train this year instead of driving over there. But show you think people always have the right choice to take a train? Oh, yeah. Yeah, because well, yeah, luckily they had shuttles that would take you there, which was kind of cool. I mean, we 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 rode our way to Union Station, and luckily they had shuttles that would take you over there. So it was actually like a thirty-minute drive, like fifteen-minute drive. Yeah. Versus like waiting in hours in traffic, just trying to find parking, just and park, it yeah. kind of cut the walking distance in half too. Because you had to go through like the old building. So it was like in the south building. Yeah. That's where they held it. So it would have been like a long ass walk. So that kind of saved our two time. And then, of course, you know, we get there and seeing a lot of people in cosplay. And I mean, honestly, the way just to check in and everything was more organized versus the other two conventions I went to. And they used like one end of the hall just for people to come in, just to check in. You know, they did bag checks and everything, but they were pretty prompt and making their own move. And, of course, Vico heads straight to the Starbucks line. Yeah. <laughs> and Vico told me about that experience waiting in line at a coffee shop. It's like, that's the first thing everyone goes to the convention. They just start like, where's the nearest Starbucks? It was like, uh, it was it was pretty terrible. Oh, it, was, it was just a line full of people that were pissed off at the workers for not, for being impatient, I guess, and. Like, you kind of just, you, you got what you signed up for by waiting in line. So, I don't know, people were just kind of being a little more grumpy than usual. Even though it was only, like, four people working. Uh, I mean, my experience was not fine, but a lot of people stuff was getting messed up. So, I could see why people got pissed. But it was it was uh, kind of annoying. Just, yeah, just because people weren't listening. And, uh, I thought this one old lady was going to yell at somebody. It was kind of weird. Uh, it was... At a convention, nonetheless, so it's like you're not getting the same type of Starbucks experience. You're getting a different type because these people don't. I don't even like that. That I don't even think that Starbucks is open all the time. So I feel like those are just contractors. Mm-hmm. It's just like not the same. Uh, it was fun. Just like they did what they could for having only four people working, so it was tough. Uh, and then yeah, people ordering a bunch of shit. It just sucks. Like you're, you're people are ordering like full breakfast essentially at Starbucks. So like you have, and you have the same person making that and the drinks. So you're you're bound to wait. Um, yeah, I was hungover, so it was a little tough uh, to start off the convention that way. But uh, <laughs> nonetheless, nonetheless, it was fine. I just like I said, the, the food situation this time around compared to previous years was kind of rough. Yeah, because it was weird of... because normally they have a bunch of stands open, but this year it was like really relegated. It was really like toned down. I mean, the one thing it sucks that um, one thing I would address with the food is honestly, many people's dietary things are different. I just wish one thing that C2G should have is like vegan options available 
which Pico, remind me, I got a, I got an email from C2E2 for like a survey. I can definitely oh, send yeah. it to you. I'll, I'll forward it to you. Because that's the one thing is my brother, my brother Biko is vegan, and I kind of felt for people that are vegan or vegetarian, it wasn't that many options for them to partake. So it's like to the point you're pretty much making people either have to smuggle food in or something, or free yeah. chips or something, because it's like there it wasn't was... that many choices that they can get. Yeah, I mean they had yeah they had that like side marketplace, but it was like an over an even more overpriced CPS. So like it felt very much like that, but and they had. I mean, look for me. With me, I just had Connie's because they had Connie's yeah, there, and Connie's. I had, I just had Connie's. And I had like a brownie or something, and so I ended up getting a cookie and you know, pretty much a, a, a soda. But the only thing no, we man, did, it's the same I think the only thing we regret was not bringing a water bottle. Like, even though it said they suggest bring a water bottle or something. Right. I mean, it, it, they. The thing is, whatever they were selling in the little stands on the bottom, it wasn't any different on top. Yeah. They, they did the same thing with like cafeteria style pizza. Uh, I saw turkey and ribs, I think. So, like, there wasn't anything. It wasn't too different. It's just there, there wasn't a variety of options they had before. They used to they used to have a lot of peop- people sell their food there. So it was just very odd. Um, and they, instead of, like, kind of separating the, the areas, they just chose to put everything all in one. Yeah, they that's the one thing I didn't notice, too. I think it's because of the fact that even though COVID, I think that, I think that kind of, like, it sucked because of the fact that in years past it was so spread out. But I think because of COVID stuff, they probably had to get right away to keep everything close together because you know they had to find an easier way to monitor people. I think that's what it was too. Yeah. I think once you know those more restrictions get heavy off, I know they just announced what Chicago's at a medium now, and then CDC's recommending they're like loosening the ropes of social distancing now because more people are getting vaccinated and stuff, and you know if they end up getting COVID, it's not as bad as it was before. And the monkeypox, problem is a monkeypox is more like a contact or somebody that already has it. It's like a version of chickenpox, basically. But I know they are developing a vaccine for it. Um, but with that, I mean, even the autograph thing wasn't as big as it was. I mean, artist alley was smacking the artist alley used to be huge. It's like I felt that this year was like really small. And I mean, the booths were. I mean, the booth, the booths were actually. It you know, was one thing that was weird not seeing the carpet. Yeah. You know, I remember the C two season pass was the red carpet. It kind of fell on your feet, especially it sucked because you were basically walking on concrete. At least like that, you know, Asim was all was carpeted, which I did like because he's on the feet. But everywhere else, you're walking on freaking concrete, and if people are cosplaying and they're not lucky, I was wearing comfortable shoes. I was wearing Pumas, which had like cushioning, because I was gonna wear my freaking school style shoes with go with my costume. But I'm like, I'm gonna be walking a lot. I want to be comfortable. I'm not gonna come back with fucking blisters, dude. But it's like, I felt for the people that were cosplaying and they were just waiting, either they were waiting in line for autographs or waiting to get tenant to at the booths and stuff. And just standing on concrete for like hours, and you know we both work in warehouses, so it's like we know the feeling. You're staying on a fucking warehouse floor, it's nothing but concrete. There's not that much like cushion your pad. The only cushion you have is your feet. But after a while, saying that your feet do kind of tend to hurt. And they're like, they decided, you know what, we got rid of the carpet because it'll be like a zero carbon site because it's, I guess, the clean cost to clean it and everything must be a lot expensive. I understand their point, but to me, that's something I do miss. I do miss the carpet. <laughs> At least put carpet on the lines. <laughs> At least get like freaking smaller carpets for like the waiting lines for like autographs. At least Fan Expo and Asim had carpeting. Which I did enjoy. <laughs> um, 
overall, the booths were great. I mean, they had a good variety. I mean, everything was separated by certain areas. I just, you know, they had the Pop Asia area. They had a tattoo. There's not many tattoo things this year, too. Because you know how they had a big tattoo artist alley? And the one thing I did notice, they did not have, like, a table area, like, they didn't pass, where they'll have a table area where you can sit down and eat. Like I said, the cafe area, things were so, like, food. They used to have, like, a separate just for food, like a separate sit-down area. It wasn't a many sit-down area. Yeah. I mean, the only sit down there was the yard, but because of revolution, that was the only carpet area because um, Revolutionary Brewing Company paid for that carpet. The yeah, the little beardish garden thing called the yard because we spent a few benches, but not enough. And you know, we had to send the carpet. And, I mean, I don't drink that much, but I did like their Freedom Lemonade. It was actually really good. It wasn't as strong. It was like kind of like a sweet citrusy flavor. I really enjoyed it. You know, because you enjoy some Bruce Revolutionary Brewers. I know they're like a staple of Chicago, so they're always there every year. Uh, of course, Wild Bills. I never get. I keep missing up my chance to get Wild Bills soda, craft soda, but those things are so long, dude. But I like the fact they go to every convention. All you do is pay like a fee. Just you buy the goblet. You can pick any drink you want to of that one day, mm-hmm. which is kind of cool. But next time, guys, next time I'm try to get my best to get Wild Bill, and then um. Autographs. Uh, we get to autographs. Um, pretty much the first autograph I got was CM Punk. Um, he was there with Dan Housen. They were going to sign at the Pro Wrestling Tees booth. The one thing that kind of know me was, the st- even though the staff were pretty cool, I wish they would tell us, hey, you got to buy a ticket to get their autograph. So I was waiting in line like a goon, and until I found out, oh, yeah, you to buy tickets. And I had to move from one line, go to another line just to buy a ticket for the autograph, and then go back into the other line. So... I just wish they were more organized with that. I mean, don't get me wrong, the staff were great, but I wish they had a sign or something to say, or a sign saying, please purchase your ticket at the register before getting into line for Punk or Danhausen. And, I mean, they should have signed it. They should have signed it, yeah. Honestly, they should have signed it, like I said. Um, they have very few wrestling stuff there, too. They have very few merchandise. The booth wasn't that big. That was kind of weird. In the past, they used to have a big booth. I guess, like, spacing was limited. So, probably they only limit how many vendors they can have, probably. Because it wasn't as many vendors as it was in years past either. Because, like I said, before it used to be so spread out, but this year it was, it was like so like compact. Yeah, it just seemed very like even it just felt very rushed and put together. And, and if this for three days, I can only imagine that my friend was gone multiple days. But like, mm-hmm. but like he goes with a mission, so it's a little different. I think he approached this situation. And he's been going for years like we have, so like he's done most of them, but he goes with the intent of getting autographs and buying merch for the most part, which I'm not saying we don't either, uh, mm-hmm. but it's just like, I think there's people going for various reasons to these things, and I think for, and like I said earlier, for how much money they charge, for how big it's the event has gone, and uh, for how it's grown, for how the panels, for who they bring on to do panels, for who they bring on to do autographs because it has to be in there has to be some incentivization for the celebrities too and albeit like i i'll talk shit about the ones who do come out who do make it like you can tell the ones who are there just to collect a check and then you can tell the ones who genuinely do get a some sort of fulfillment outside of the money aspect they can genuinely you see the ones who generally have fun with it the fans and genuinely have conversations or connections that they make at these conventions you see the ones who who are more enthused about being doing the the convention circuit? Because yeah, it does. It, it is work, guys, just like anything else. And so there is uh, 
uh, equal trade off for both parties. But like on money aspect, it's still there. Like I said, you can tell the ones who just do it, who are just there to collect the checks. Um, but like this time around, it was rough to see just because there wasn't a lot of celebrities, even for us going. We went on a Saturday. Usually, usually Saturday is like a busy day. Those are usually the big days for conventions. Yeah. So it's just very half of our, our, our like half of celebrity like role was not filled. Yeah. And usually it's filled. It's a lot louder. I mean, there's just a lot more shit going on. And this year was very much, with it being two years into the pandemic, you would think it would be a little more, it would be a little different. Mm-hmm. It doesn't It seemed very last, lackluster and disorganized. That even for staff, I didn't see a lot of staff. No, that's weird. A lot. There wasn't a lot. And it doesn't, it doesn't seem, for the amount of people there, it doesn't seem like that should be the case. I mean, um, there was security around and everything, but it wasn't yeah. as much of a C2E2 staff as much. Yeah. Just like, walking around just to make sure, you know, the thing weird was going on. Yeah, like, you still need that at conventions, and I don't, I don't know. For, like I said, for the amount of money they draw in, McCormick's not cheap, so what, that all that money is going into paying back McCormick from letting them use the space. And for most of the stuff to be closed and not in use, and for a convention for being most of the day, that's just easy money, and I don't see it why it couldn't be a factor for them to charge more. But I, I said, like, you're, if you're going to divest the money, use it to give more incentive for the consumer to enjoy the experience, and it kind of takes that away. And you're already nickel and dime on If it's not that, it's the vendors. So, like, at least for the vendors, you're, you're supporting the business, yeah. the small business at that. You're supporting people. This is their livelihood, however it is. It is helping them. And you see a yeah, they got they got to pay to get their stuff shipped. They yeah, like pay. they got to pay to be there too. So it's like they're, you know, they're, that's an that's an understanding of, between the consumer and the producer. But we don't see the face of McCormick. We don't see all that. And like we walked in there and it didn't, like we said, like I said in the past, all that shit was open. There was more like the carpet even. Patent carpet missing, we get it. People want it back, and I know they were trying to say it saves costs, but where did they save the costs to provide more stuff? It didn't seem like they didn't really care. Mm-hmm. But, but, I don't know. Uh, back, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was dressed in cosplay too. Yeah. I mean, I, do, I did like their pet. People did not lose their passion for it. Oh, yeah, up. that's always good. That's why I did like that. People did not lose their passion for it. And I went to dress as something different, like, you know. But these conventions, I like I always go dressed up, and this year I decided to go as a video character. I went up going as Joker for Plus Number Five, so that's the main protagonist of that. Of course, in the anime, his name is Ren. Of course, in the manga, he's Akira. Um, whatever you name him in the video game, it's up to you. Um, and in the school uniform, which I very actually very very few uh group persona, and they're like, oh yeah, cool cosplay. I'm like, oh nice, thanks. I mean, it was nice seeing like different like collaborations of the Lightman and Lorian stuff, and then I kind of like the Star Wars one, and then. I was wearing a bunch of henchmen for hire. <laughs> that was funny. That signs and everything, and the course of stormtroopers because the, they got their own like battalion squad. I guess it's a meetup groups. So they got those community groups of stormtroopers. They have Mandalorians and stuff. And there's very like a lot of anime ones too. But like I said, anime is not. I mean, there was cool One Piece cosplays I saw there too as well. Uh, One Piece they had like the traveling like merch booth, which is kind of cool. Get the Thousand Sunny display there, and they were showing like uh, stuff. So I went in there, got a free bag. I uh, checked out the stuff they got coming in, like coming soon from Bandai Namco, the video game out One Piece Odyssey that's coming out soon. Um, 
And of course, on One Piece film Red, that's supposed to be coming out soon here in November in the U.S. It's real cool. I thought the trailer score looked phenomenal. I can't wait. Um, back to the punk booth. Um, you know, I decided to have Punk sign the picture that we took with him about six years ago. And I think I'm about to remember, dude. It was like six years ago, man. Yeah. <laughs> and it was funny because he's like, oh my God. It was like, he's like, this was like when I showed him the picture, when I told him, he asked him, what do you, what do you want me to sign? I'm like, <laughs> I give him the picture. He's like, holy cow. It's like, it's like many, many great beards ago. And I'm like, seeing him and, you know, he's he looks better. Like, he looks good. And he's like, I think you're the one with the mask, right? Like, yeah. I'm like, holy shit. I'm like, you remembered. And was like, you know, thinking like he's like, thank you for coming out. You know, it was great seeing you again. So it was kind of cool for like, those last like five, like few minutes talking to him. But like, you know, it's great that he remembered. You know, he's a guy that for, first wasn't very approachable. Now, like, I think his personality kind of like changed a little bit because he's in a better like environment. I think it was too. Yeah. He looks so like he looked really good. I mean, even though yeah, age does show, but he looked like he was really you know in a good place mentally wise. And it's cool he was there, you know, with the fans. He's there, says he's there every year because he's from Chicago, you know. And people still turn out for me. People are still fans, you know. But I think he does. So it was great. And then, um, you know, we pretty much went to the celebrity thing. And the celebrity thing, yeah, like Pico said, wasn't that many people that went out. I was looking for but me, when it comes to autographs, I try to get more of the voice actors because, you know, celebrities, you know, they are recognized for what. People that don't get a lot of credit are voice actors. I mean, yeah, it's just because you always recognize them by their voice and the characters they make, but just seeing them in person, like, it's a whole new experience. And um, with me was I went to meet um, Erica Hallecker Stone, who does so many voices for video games and anime. My favorite of hers is um, On from Persona 5, um, who was, like, my first choice. And when I first played Persona 5, of course, Makoto was my second choice, but On was my first choice. So I'm like, I said, you know what? I'm going to surprise him. Dressed as Joker. See how he reacts. And very much, she reacted and says, hi, Joker. How are you? I'm like, I hear on. I'm like, holy shit. I'm like, and she was so sweet, so nice. And she told me this was her first C2E2. Like, she, and it's like, I that. And then she's like, are you happy? She's like, you know, keep a conversation. Like, are you having fun? I'm like, I asked her, like, what do you think of Chicago? She's like, and she says, it's been a long time since she came here. And, you know, she's like loving it and she loves the fans and stuff. She loves the city. She's always trying to go visit more and she says she'll try to come visit more often when she has an opportunity. And then we end up taking a picture and stuff and she likes my cosplay. She's like, oh, okay, I feel like I wear really you. I'm like, sure, no problem. Like, I wore a mask because she was wearing a mask. You know, I didn't want to make her feel left out, you know? So it was great. I, I had a really good time, you know? It's like these voice actors. They love interacting with fans because, like I said, you always hear their voices. But yeah. when you meet them up close, they really are genuine, nice people. They're really happy about the things they do, and you know, knowing that their work, you know, brings joy to fans and stuff. And it was great. There's a lot of people in mind for her. And, like, she's a hunter, hunter because a lot of people dress as hunter characters. We need her and some other like works that she's done. So it was great. Wasn't there many, many like anime voice actors? There were very a few. Wasn't as much. The only time you'll see more if you go to like anime conventions or fan expo, probably you'll see it big with more than usual. Yeah. Like I did with Christopher Savage back at Fan Expo and um, you know, Lucy Christian at, at Asin. You know, it depends. You just gotta be in lookout when they make an appearance. I know a lot of them are actually posting to where they're gonna be at on their TikTok. So uh, where they're gonna be, what conventions they'll be at. So the one I do want to get because I wanna get Johnny I wanna meet Johnny on Bosch because Dude, freaking, he was in the Power Rangers, but I know him as strictly as Ichigo Kurosaki for Bleach, and I do have an Ichigo Pop doll, 
It'd be so nice to find out where he's going to be at. If I have to go out of state to meet John Yambach, that'd be great. Just to get his autograph and meet him and see how he is. Because he, 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 you know, he found a second career. At the Power he found a second career as an anime voice actor. Um, so, Biko, I've been taking more of your time. So, what's your, so I know you hardly get autographs. I mean, you met famous people in the past. But knowing that this, this is the first set of questions you said, you want me to get an autograph. I was like in your mindset. What motivated you to say, oh, yeah, I'm going to get an autograph this time? Uh, well, yeah, just because, like, I know most of the times I come to this thing, I just always, it's always getting more merch things, stuff I, like, just essentially get. Not necessarily everywhere, but I like going for things that I, that are unique or help support, I guess, another artist. So I was able to get that this time around. Um, and then celebrity-wise, uh, I, I, I went to meet uh, Frankie Muniz just because I was been watching Malcolm in the Middle and uh, I watched it growing up and it was nice to see that he was doing this convention this time around and I compared to the other celebrities I felt like it was the one that I definitely would be like oh well never I don't know if he he's done the podcast circuit lately so it's helped I think he it's helped kind of bring more notoriety to his career and, and more eyes on it it being. Uh, that the people who grew up with him during his bigger stardom days mm-hmm. are now older, and it was nice to see that he's come out and doing stuff like this, and is open to talking about his experience with uh, working on different films and TV, and uh, what he does now and what he's into. So I felt like, and his line was the shortest, and that doesn't mean anything because we had it in Burks, but I think like with the mixture of different celebrities they had this time around more or less voice actors, more Star Wars people, more uh, and then you had more nostalgic actors uh, mainly people who were in Disney uh, you know, so like, I think that took up most of the, what Saturday's draw was that day mm-hmm. um, I think the noticing the demographic of people, it was more or less young adults and teens than it was anybody else and then there was adults and kids, so yeah. meeting Frankie was cool just because I don't think he's that much older than I am He's very cool, very chill. Um, got to get a picture that he liked. Uh, I think he was a lot. Him and, and the guy who's helping him out, I don't know what to call him. I think they call him like handlers or something. Yeah, we'll say convention handlers. I think they, that's what it is. He was so relaxed, and I think there were, he was able to create an atmosphere where it's like, hey, you're just me and a person who liked their work. Let's cater to that. Let's make the experience about you and you crack jokes back and forth. So it created that experience. And the person in front of me had to be like talking Frankie up a bit before it was my turn. And mm-hmm. I didn't want to do that. I like just like taking pictures of people, make sure it's cool. And I just kind of show my appreciation for the work. I don't like bogging down too much. Just because like I don't like doing that. I think, yeah, because I think it would mean with voice actors too. I like the fact that they ask us the questions. It's kind of weird. Because yeah. you want to ask them questions, but at the same time, it's like it, it kind of. You know, because they, they hear the same shit over again. Yeah. And that's why the best thing for me when I do, like, when I do do celebrity artists, I ask them how they're doing, you know, how they love in the city, because sometimes they hardly come here. So it's like what their experiences are. And the, and the fact that they come and ask you how you're doing, it's like, you know, it's like, wow. I'm like, because like I said, and, you know, that's nice that Frankie decided to come out, because I know it was a surprise that, you know, I think it was an unexpected thing, because, you know, it doesn't really. I, I haven't like I said. I haven't really seen him much on any 
doing any of these things until now, so it doesn't. I know he's been like on podcasts now recently. Yeah. I know he, like I said, he did Malcolm in the Middle, and he did like Ancient Cody Banks, and he was a big fat liar. But it's like when it comes to like kid actors, it's sometimes they want they've been in the spotlight for so long, but sometimes they, you know you got to think for a fact they're still kids. You know they want to do like the normal stuff. You know, take a break and you know go to school, get an education, and. You know, find something they're good at besides acting. You know, because sometimes with acting, you can only do so much, and after that, you gotta find like something else that, what skills that you have besides that. Well, you have a, that, and there's a shelf life to entertainment. I think mm-hmm. entertainment and I think the sports industry, professional sports industry, have Same thing, very yeah. very similar career trajectory and paths to where only certain ones be become legacy performers, and then there's others who kind of have their moment in the spotlight and have their star run burn out quickly just as mm-hmm. fast as they came in they're out and like there's ones who you know who make their reigns in a big property or franchise and then go out and a lot of those being child actors who you know we tend to see a lot of them kind of burn out and turn into negative things that we see time and time again Due to many factors that are just terrible to see in the human experience and condition, but uh, there's ones such as like there's other bright examples such as Frankie and others who were able to make different decisions or and who were surrounded by hopefully better people with better intentions for their interests at heart. Uh, albeit he was a kid being on a popular Fox show, and although he doesn't remember a lot of it, he does. Uh, it seems like he did have a good experience overall to where he was able to do it. Yeah, I heard, like, Brian Cranston was really, like, a fire figure to them. Yeah. And, like, cause even I read one thing about Brian Cranston that was, I think the actor who played Dewey, I guess, since he was the youngest of them, he would, like, Brian Cranston actually invited him to spend time with his family because mm-hmm. because they had to film on location and stuff. And he used to bring them along with his family. So it kind of helped, you know, they said he was a great person to be around with. Brian Cranston was a great, you know, he was there for them. Like, he's like a father figure to them. So, yeah, like I said, with child actors, and of course, you know, Janet McCurdy just came out with her book. Yeah. The book that she's been teasing for a while, and with that going on, that's an example right there when it comes to, like, you know, child, what child actors go through. And, yeah, we all have different, um, Look, if people see those things as like being a whole other world where at the end of the day, these are jobs. These are just workplaces, you know? And I think uh, the celebrity aspect that comes into the entertainment industry kind of clouds people's objectivity when it comes to that. And it, what, what, is a, what is a just a show to you mm-hmm. or a movie or whatever is work to these people. It's not, they don't have the same connection, the same remembrance that you do because they experienced two different things. You're getting the finished product, they're the ones who made it. And they're the ones who get to deal with the people who made it. And mm-hmm. sometimes you're working with people who have nefarious intentions and like you said with the example of Jeanette McCurdy, those are two sides of the, the coin of child stars and acting. Albeit right when that book came out, she comes out in an episode of Mouth in the Middle. It's so it was so surreal to see her come out in an episode. Uh, she plays a small character a bit in there, but like she's so young in there, and just and then knowing what she has gone through so far, like or a little glimpse of what she's talked about. Um, I'm gonna yeah, see when I get a chance, but yeah. like just knowing what she's gone through, it's kind of crazy to see 
her being so poised and so professional on screen and knowing what she went on, what went behind the scenes, just like it's so. And all that goes down to is who she was surrounded by, and like life is is just the draw of the deck. You're not. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, her mom wanted bigger. She had a whole different view of what her daughter was to her, and compared to what a daughter should be treated like, and it's yeah. fucked up. So like, and what sucked was you, know, you get um, to meet those people. It's different. I think it's it's surreal to meet those people. Yeah, because I've seen those like ever since the book came out, like yeah. uh, that pop up on TikTok. It's just putting experts excerpts from it or show interviews of her when she's right now she's promoting the book. Yeah. And what surprised me had Nick Lloyd was offering her like three three hundred thousand dollars to keep her mouth shut or not release the book. Oh yeah, of course. Because, dude, I mean, if you're not doing anything about it, you know that you have a better chance of they coming out in the open without dealing with the solution. You didn't deal with the solution. It's because you had that individual who pretty much gave you that content. He had a lot of power. He had a lot of influence. A lot of influence. He had a lot of influence in that office. So that's the problem. Yeah. Because he was the guy that was giving you this content for these programs, and you were doing nothing to help the town. That's what. That's why I suck. That's what happens. It's like, they were like, it's like WWE and Vince McMahon right now. They just found like he spent another five million dollars on hush money as well. And that's what happens. They find he buys, took the stuff away, and now Triple H is running, and now he's bringing in talent that he know he built a good camaraderie with. He's bringing all this talent back to be utilized the way they were supposed to be utilized. But going back to the child thing, it's like. Actors is like there's something called a people don't know something called a Jackie Coogan law. Remember Jackie Coogan? Yeah, you might know him when he was an adult. He was Uncle Fester and his family, but when he was a child actor, child actors like didn't they had to go through a thing what they called a Jackie Coogan law, and basically they had to like their money had to be put on hold. Like the money was was supposed to be put to the side, and it, like the parents will hold on to it to a point until they get like a certain age. Like, they'll get access to a certain percentage of money. Jackie Google Law ensures the financial well-being of child actors by mandating that their employers set aside 50% of the child actor's gross earnings into a Coogan Trust account, abbreviated CTA account, where it can be monitored but not withdrawn <laughs> by a legal guardian until the child reaches legal maturity. So that way, um, there isn't any fraudulent activity between the parents and the earnings of the child. Because back then, child actors are getting ripped off by their parents. Unfortunately, that happens. But, you know, and so they don't want to actually create an industry where parents are having kids to turn them into stars for the sole purpose of making money. I, I think Jenna McCurry was talking about that she never saw any of that money. I think it's in her book. Yeah. In an interview, I saw that. And they supposedly the front office told her about the Coogan account or something. Well, saying. here, let's see. What states have the Coogan law? At present, the Coogan accounts, aka blocked trust accounts and trust accounts, are required by the state of California, New York, Illinois, Louisiana, and New Mexico. In most instances, you will have to supply proof of a trust account prior to receiving a work permit. So, um, yeah, for the most part. And then outside of those places, you're not really making films. So, I mean, most California, New York, Illinois, New Mexico, I mean, Atlanta is a big place where they make films too, but I'm sure. By then, Georgia probably has some sort of. They probably now with the Walking Dead, yeah. so they probably have to have that established. And this is strange because this is a resource from the SAG after the org. Screen Actors Guild, yeah. Yeah, you would think that would list Georgia, but maybe they don't have that there. Who knows? I mean, that's probably something they have to. That's a state thing, so that's something they have to vote on because SAG is like a union 
reactor, so they probably had to vote on that. But of course, we will know like a lot of productions are take place in Illinois, so it kind of makes sense. But knowing for that, I think Jeanette McCurry was talking about like I think they interviewed and asked her about the like, book. Did she not see most of that money at all? And they tell her they didn't like go through the going and talk about the account or anything. I don't know if that was her mom just hiding it from her. Probably. Probably. See, that's what's messed and up. And then I read a thing where supposedly there was another excerpt they were showing on TikTok as well. Um, how she got offered these movie roles, and but Nickelodeon didn't want to, uh, at the time she was doing the Sam and Cat, they didn't want to give her a chance to write her character off just so she could do the movies. But when Ariana got in, they had to do like a. They had to prepare an appear in a war show. They. Wrote her off the show or put her character like in the box or something with just a voice so she can go perform. So she felt that that was being unfair. And I can tell she was really like upset at Ariana. Oh, she was? Yeah, because they were giving her preferential treatment over her. And then, um, but no, for a fact that based on that, and I think I saw this other interview about Miranda Cosgrove and their relationship. She's like, she says nothing but nice things about Miranda Cosgrove. I guess they had a good friendship. She said they don't talk as much now, but she's always respected her and stuff. So we don't want to get. Anybody. I know this took a dark turn, but definitely check out the book. Uh, we'll probably talk about that more in future episodes. Um, now, dialing back um, before we go, uh, we do want to talk about the Ninja Turtles real quick because that's the one thing I wanted to get all guys, but the lines were so long, and you know, there's so many hours in the day. These guys are, you know, and we're wanting to get into their panel. We're hosting a 30th anniversary panel. Yeah, and cool. before we wrap this up, we want to give you our thoughts on that panel first. I'll just turn to Vico first okay. before we get to me. Um, so. No, yeah, the panel was great. Uh, it sucks that it didn't last as long as it could have. Um, it didn't in most places, it, but overall, it was nice to see that they had. Uh, we got to learn a bit about uh, how their experience was working together, how they kind of came onto the project, which I think you don't get to see a lot, um, even. How much you consume hours and hours of special features on DVD content and stuff. I don't think you're able to get what they kind of gave to us, gave us on this mm-hmm. panel. Um, so it's nice to see them uh, have so much enthusiasm for working on the Turtles for so long and being a part of it, and for them to kind of provide a perspective of of what they saw coming onto the project in the '80s and and how far they've been able to affect the brand and the Turtles. How they were able to create life in it, and how much love they have for it, uh, and then just seeing how many people were there who were, were impacted by the film. Um, it's incredible to see uh, just seeing a bunch of people being connected over these four Spongebob Mutant Turtles is kind of funny, but in a, in a good way to see them kind of speak so highly of it, and, and them just having fun. It's always nice to see people who are given the chance to lend their talent things and to build such a loving community around it. I think it's cool to see and everyone was able to be a kid again for <laughs> both that hour getting to hear uh, the, the people they heard in voices and getting to see them and realizing them as people too and getting to be in the room with them was kind of cool. So, I don't know. It was a good experience. It was nice seeing them. I wish it was a little longer but yeah, it was cool to see for what it was worth. Yeah, for me it was great. I mean, it sucked. I would love to get the autograph, but like I said, the last been long. But yeah. Just, for me, it was just all about just seeing them, and just you know, I was like, I was in line just asked a question, but of course, you know, with the time wrapping up, I didn't get a chance to. But one thing I would have told him was, "Thank you so much for my childhood. Thank you so much for being part of my childhood. Thank you so much for 
probably even my English language because um, for a fact was, you know, for me and Vico growing up, Spanish was our first language. Like English was second. And for me personally, it was a struggle for me to communicate. Was I went to pre, Vico didn't go to pre. So I had a tough time based on what my parents told me because I talked about much of my childhood. Um, they told me I was having a tough time communicating with the kids and it got to the point the teachers were like telling my parents like, your kid needs to like grasp the English language more because the kids are being freaked out because they're speaking another language. And that time, Spanish wasn't really like a big majority when it comes to language. I was very the minority in that school at that time. It was pretty much more of like an Irish, Polish, um, Caucasian, like that much majority at that school at that time. And you know, for my they, the teacher was afraid that I was gonna have a tough time making friends. And my parents were like, okay, we'll do better and talk English more. You know, it did really help. But really helped me more was to teach me Ninja Turtles because um, after school, they were on the afternoons because at that time they were filming a lot of episodes. So all the new stuff was on CBS and all the reruns were in the afternoons on syndication. So it kind of helped me grasp. So yeah, so like one of my first English words was, yeah, cowabunga, you know, learning that from Michelangelo. and But at the same time, we kind of got to the point where now, as you see now, Based on English classes, but now as you see, I don't have an accent. You know, I get I get confused with many different like ethnicities, but yeah. But it's but them besides that cartoon was teaching, you know, be there for your brothers. I had younger brothers, so I show loyalty to your family, um, being loyal to your brothers, you know, help them when they're ever in trouble, you know. And just seeing that show kinda of impacted me and it, it felt great and seeing all four of them together and showing that they had the love for that project. They all came along not knowing they came from all the four different backgrounds from like theater and stuff or coming from live action and for them to get a part in it and you know and they were blown away how much of an impact the show had and how it bring up a, its own special brotherhood between them and they kept in contact even after the show yeah. ended which is still great and it was nice how they pick on each other. It's like four kids fighting at a dinner table, basically four brothers fighting at a dinner table, but it's the Ninja Turtles, which kind of makes it much as sweet. So I really had a great time, and I'm, I'm happy I got to share, like, C2-2 with Biko again, and, you know, and hopefully we'll try to do it again next year, and we'll see what kind of interesting panels they bring. Hopefully they'll spread it out more, and oh, I mean, for me, C2-2 was okay at best. I mean, wasn't bad as compared to 2020 when it was spread out. This was before pandemic. Hopefully... Next year, restrictions will be more and more lifted, and hopefully they'll spread it out more and maybe hold it in a different building in a corporate place or maybe a bigger building or something. Like a bigger space is what? Three buildings, right? It's like three buildings. So hopefully they'll make it better. I think it's supposed to be back in March, I think, next yeah. year. I just saw the dates. But overall, it's fine. Like, I was able to get some merch. I'm getting some anime figures, of course, and I got some like some artwork. Um, and just seeing the cosplay and stuff. It was really great. Um, definitely enjoyed it. Like I said, I recommend going to conventions. Just keep it out on your area. Just, you know, find anyone can cosplay. You don't have to worry about, you know, your ethnicity, your body type. Anyone can cosplay. It's just your love and your passion. And, you know, autographs are not bad. Yeah, you have to pay for autographs. But, they, hey, not only are you paying for autographs, but you are paying for the experience. You know, getting to know these actors who took their time to come visit. They probably don't get a big check to come to these conventions, so and they do probably want to make some income on the side just because sometimes these actors are either working on commission or you know they 
because voice acting is like a contracting job. It's like it depends, you know. But at the same time, it's like you get the experience with them. You know, talk to them and stuff. And they get the opportunity to talk with the fans. So overall, that was okay experience. So Pico, final thoughts on C three P. Uh, good, not great. Could be better, but overall, still fun. Um, still brings it still brings a lot of diversity to what they do, and uh, vendors are always good. People, uh, overall, are always good to see and interactive there. Um, overall, good. Just bring more food options and make it a little more organized. Other than that, it was good. Utilize the space better. That's it, really. You guys, I think you were better at utilizing it in the past, and I think. Over the years, whoever has been organizing has, I think, utilized it in a different way, but I don't know if it's helping the cause. I think it's reducing it, not really helping your brand at this point. Um, kind of, you know, yeah, take some of the things that worked in the past, blend it with some new things you guys want to put, and it'll work. Uh, just don't overcomplicate it, and I think we'll be okay. All right, guys, that will do it for this week. Uh, we'll see you guys again in two weeks, but make sure to follow us on. Twitter at PopCult85. Make sure to follow us on Anchor, our main platform. We're also available on Spotify, Pandora, iHeartRadio, and many other podcast outlets. Check out our merch store at popcopculture.threatless.com. That's right. We have a new store. We signed with Threatless. So definitely check out our new merch with the new logo. And made us some concept designs on there as well. You can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash talkpop for the culture. Like I said, you can follow me eventually on at the franchise eighty five. Follow me on there for your anime goodness. Thank you so much. We'll see you guys again in two weeks. As always, geek on and take care.